welcome to an episode of Disability Inclusion Insights on the AbilityNet podcast. I am your host, Lizzie Green, Digital Inclusion Consultant at AbilityNet. By providing training, support and resources, we want to help address the disability employment gap and support workplaces to become more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and my co-host and colleague Adam Tweed on this series where we interview leaders in the workplace disability inclusion from across industries and around the world. You can download a transcript of the session from the AbilityNet website at www.abilitynet.org.uk slash podcast. Sit back, grab your favourite beverage and let's get started. Welcome everybody to the Disability Insights podcast. My name is Lizzie Green. I'm the Digital Inclusion Consultant at AbilityNet and I'm joined again today by my colleague Adam Tweed. And we are delighted today to be joined by Claire Jones, who is the director at Clear Talents. Uh, so we always kick off our podcast by asking our guests what their uh, drink of choice is today. Yeah, so, so I'm, it's very boring. I'm sorry about this, Lizzie. So it is water, but can I just add that had you been here an hour ago, it would have been coffee, which my husband makes every day. We've got like a machine downstairs in our kitchen. I think launching a spaceship from NASA would be easier. I can't actually use it. So if anyone comes around for a coffee, they have to get instant off of me. But that's like the highlight drink of the day. So I just thought I'd share that with you. But um, that's at 10 o'clock, not you know 11 o'clock, which is as we're filming it now. And uh, so it's very boring water, I'm afraid. Absolutely. Well, I'm just on tea. I'm always on tea. Can't beat a cup of tea. Every time, every (laughs) podcast is a cup of tea. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure I can guess that Adam is probably drinking a coffee. I'm on the coffee, yeah. (laughs) I've taken to grinding my own beans now, though. So I'll take it one step back so it won't be long before I've got the machine. Oh, (laughs) yeah, you're you're nearly there, Adam. Yeah, we've got one of them as well. We've got some bean grinder or something. They arrive once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Then you'll be on an artwork course as well then next, you know, making little shapes on your coffee. Absolutely. The world is limitless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. So um, could we start off, Claire, by getting uh, you to tell us a little bit about Clear Talents and uh, your job role there and what you guys do? Yeah, sure, of course. So I've been working at Clear Talents for just over five years now. Um, and actually, it's it's kind of really cool because I'm, I'm a director, obviously, but predominantly my main role is in account management. So I kind of feel like I'm working for a variety of organizations and um, no two days are ever the same, which I absolutely love. So my core role here is to really help organizations with their inclusion, particularly objectives and specifically in the area of reasonable adjustments. So where Clear Talents comes in is we're an online solution and we basically provide organizations with kind of customized inclusion passports so that we can ensure that every employee can share if there's any circumstance or condition that impacts them at work so they can get the support or accommodation that they need. Um, And then that kind of then goes a little bit further in terms of helping organizations with their being inclusive because then we can give real life insights into their particular organization. So we can kind of pull all of the insights we get from the individual passports and then present it back to them at an organizational level. So they can really see where maybe there are concerns, where there are challenges, and that literally governs um, the decisions they then make about strategies, policies, and training. Fantastic. Just 
On that, I mean, you, you mentioned there reasonable adjustments. For anybody who's listening to this and doesn't know what a reasonable adjustment might be, uh, you got some sort of examples of those? I mean, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point, Adam. Yeah, well, well, well suggested. Okay, so a reasonable adjustment is really, um, in its simplest form, it's just about making a slight kind of change um, or improvement to the way that someone works so that you're kind of removing a barrier. So um, some examples of this, um, if you have anxiety, for example, it would be hugely helpful to have an agenda shared in advance of a meeting because then you can prepare, you understand um, the aspects of the agenda that you're expected to participate in, and you can attend that meeting very confidently. That's, that's an adjustment. It costs nothing. It probably takes seconds at maximum of minutes to do, but the impact is huge. So we did have an individual who used to have this team meeting on a Friday morning and it was like three hours and honestly impacted them every day working up to the Friday because they had no idea what they were going to cover. They couldn't prepare for it and they had no idea when their input would be required. So it really heightened their anxiety. So that's an example of a really simple and easy adjustment. Um, they can come in a variety of forms. So um, they can also be physical adjustments, um, environmental adjustments, I'm trying to think. Uh, so another one actually that's really um, popular now is having your camera on or off because um, particularly say uh, neurodiversity, you may find it a lot easier to concentrate with your camera off. So actually just giving people right from the start the opportunity to say it's completely fine and um, you do your personal preference. We don't need to share why. It's really easy to adjust and um, really easy to implement adjustment but does mean that you're then getting the maximum from every participant, be that a team meeting or a training session. Mm. Um, other ones could include things like uh, the size of the font, if you're sharing documents, um, the actual font that you're using so that it's easier for people to read, um, uh, dyslexia being a, maybe a classic example in that scenario, uh, right through to maybe being a little bit flexible about working patterns because you have a caring commitment, be that for a child, a partner or um, a relative. So yeah, it was interesting you were, you were saying there about reasonable adjustments because quite often when we're dealing with businesses and I'm, I'm sure you've had the same, there is this perception that a reasonable adjustment is going to be something expensive, that employing somebody with a disability means that there is going to be this massive expense in adjusting workplace to suit them. Whereas actually the, the truth is and what we find is that most reasonable adjustments are very low cost or no cost at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't be more um, spot on there, Adam. Yeah, exactly that. There is huge, huge fear um, that as soon as you mention the word adjustment, as you say, you're talking about a significant financial um, outlay, possibly, you know, significant disruption to the business. But actually, reality, exactly as you've just outlined, couldn't be further from the truth. The mass majority of adjustments um, that our solution recommends are free and easy to implement. It is a minority where um, finance is required. And actually the Disability Rights Commission did a great piece not that long ago and they found out that where a cost was incurred, it was typically £75 uh, per individual, which wow. when you think of the cost of recruiting, replacing and retraining, it just doesn't, you just wouldn't even worry about it. Yeah. Um, let alone the fact that you're going to retain that person for longer, they're going to be more productive. It's a very, very minimal outlay. Absolutely. Yeah, that leads us really nicely onto our next question, actually. And it's uh, why do you think it's important to employ disabled people? And then also from the experience of your clients, um, what are some of the organisations doing to, to actively employ those um, disabled people? 
So in terms of why um, it's important, I mean, I think hopefully it's obvious it's the variety. You know, if you have the same kind of profile of person in every single team, you're going to get the same output. And if you really want to be successful in business, you have to have the most diverse teams. Um, and obviously that means just embracing and being inclusive in your recruitment um, and your onboarding. So in terms of what organizations are doing to attract a variety of candidates, um, kind of some of the best in class actually include an inclusive positioning statement within their recruitment policy. So right up from um, as you're applying, they actually ask and actively encourage every single candidate to just take a few moments to create like an inclusion profile. It's really super um, quick and simple. They just select statements they can relate to. Um, but what it then means is it enables the recruitment team to have a very inclusive and consistent recruitment process because they can kind of just put these very minor, again, no cost in the recruitment scenario adjustments into play. So it's like an equal playing field. Um, the way we personally approach it at Clear Talents is that we want to prevent any opportunity for unconscious bias. So we do what's called progressive disclosure. So we invite every candidate to create an inclusion profile and then with the recruitment team, the solution actually only advises the team at the time the adjustment is required. So they're constantly analyzing that candidate on merit. So for example, if you had, um, if you had an adjustment that was required at say interview, then you wouldn't be advised of that when you're doing the initial application sift or telephone. But obviously when you then got to interview, you'd be advised that this particular candidate requires ABC. And then um, you would put that adjustment into play. Again, it's often, very easy to implement adjustments. Um, it could be something as simple as they have a caring commitment on a Friday morning. So when it comes to a face-to-face -face meeting, could it just not be Friday morning? That would be kind of preferential for them. Um, some people really still are not very keen to travel at peak times. So they have a preference that they would like to travel off peak, again, for a variety of reasons. Um, it could be an accessibility requirement. So we just need to make sure that we've covered that and that we've provided a phone number so that because we're getting to this property for the first time, we're confident in doing so. And if we encounter any challenges, we've got a direct dial of someone we can call and explain whatever the challenge may be so that obviously they can work through how to resolve it. So that's kind of what we would do um, and what our clients do. One adjustment they put into play during COVID, which was really interesting, um, was to replicate. So all of online, all recruitment went online during COVID. And to replicate the exact same process they'd had before, um, they went for Teams Online, but they actually dictated to the candidate the background that they selected when they came for the interview. And that was a very conscious decision because what they wanted was to replicate being in a room in that same spot in front of those same people and having the same background so that you weren't biased by the fact that they had a load of washing behind them or they'd left the hoover in. So it was just a nice clear background and you were just analyzing that candidate for their skills, their abilities, what they're gonna to bring to the organization. It cost them nothing, but it meant that they were being inclusive in their recruitment process. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I really like that idea. Um, and it's like you say, really simple things to really simple relate. but can have a really yeah. big impact because you know yeah. i'll be honest I'm, I'm a bit of a neat freak and i'm a bit off if someone was you know in a really busy room you know you just you are just fine you know do you know what i mean it just impacts different people in different ways so yeah yeah i yeah. spent the whole of covid working in my bedroom so i didn't want anybody to see what was behind because it was literally my bed <laughs> so this office had a complete covid makeover because it used to be my <laughs> husband's and behind me was like a massive storage that completely floated his boat and totally didn't mind. So it all got relocated, <laughs> repainted, you know, and replaced. So yeah, amazing the things. <laughs> Thanks for coming. 
a niche um, job that was kind of created. I think it was an American thing, um, but you could get somebody to curate the books that appeared behind you for yeah. Zoom calls. Oh, that yeah. is that that yeah, that's, <laughs> that's quite impressive though. To be fair, that's that is high level of detail, isn't it? That that is good. <laughs> I like that. Just on that, if I can just yeah. pop in with a question on that, love. So you were talking there about um, the positioning statement as as clear talents um, as the the platform, the tool. Are you looking there at barriers, or would you require somebody to disclose or share a, a specific diagnosis of anything in those situations? So if you have a diagnosis and you want to share, obviously, you know, you, you would absolutely have the opportunity to do so. But really within the positioning statement, what we're really doing is outlining the recruitment process for that particular organization. So mm -hmm. really high level what the recruitment steps are. Um, and then we're embedding a link where they then go to create an inclusion profile. And again, they're just selecting statements they can relate to um, under core categories that apply to every single candidate. So things like pen and paper. And things like travel, as I mentioned, so they can then select a statement saying that, you know, they prefer not to travel in, in peak travel and um, they can select there's times they'd like to avoid. Um, they can share that they use the telephone in a different way um, that they find these scenarios uh, quite stress provoking, that they would appreciate having the questions in advance and um, whatever it might be, it's selecting those statements, but it's under, as I said, um, categories that apply to every candidate and every candidate is invited to create that profile. So it's very mm. inclusive. We would really not recommend a statement around, you know, if you need a reasonable adjustment, contact us or email us because you're, you're kind of singling out people. Um, and, you know, depending upon where they are in their careers, they could have had prior experience where had they followed that path, it hasn't proved to be particularly positive. So by having a statement that just says, these are the processes, we want to make sure that everyone gets support they need beforehand and on the day, please, um, you know, complete this profile. What candidate doesn't want additional support beforehand and on the day? And then they just select the statements and then that enables that organization to be genuinely inclusive in the recruitment process and ensure that every candidate can perform on a level playing field. So that's the approach that we would take. Brilliant. Um, so we've spoken a little bit about um, COVID and things moving online, but um, what other roles do you think technology um, is doing to drive that disability inclusion? Well, I think it's just vital, isn't it? Because again, um, technology is at the forefront of that because it, by its very merit, it then removes those barriers. So um, it, yeah, to, from my perspective, I think it's just vital. I think also from our perspective, it's also the only way to maintain that individual's um, privacy and to treat it with respect and confidentiality because it's all online. You've got complete control over who can see that information. And obviously we'd only be sharing it in cases where the adjustment or the support was being provided. So in the recruitment, that would be to the recruiter to make sure they got the support or adjustments in the recruitment process. And with the employee solution that we have, that's to make sure their manager or their HR team can support them appropriately. Um, but by having it technology-based, we are confident that every single individual can create that passport and can get that support. As soon as you go into any other format, by its very nature, you, you will definitely be excluding certain user groups. Yeah, definitely. Um, and are there any organisations or individuals that you believe are really progressing in um, disability inclusion um, in the workplace? Are there any kind of standout people that come to mind for you? Well, I think standout would definitely be, um, so we've got a couple of people there. So you've got Mark Lomas, um, previously HS2, now Lloyds of London. 
absolutely stunning, fantastic champion, um, just highly, highly committed to inclusion um, and, and has been in, in both organisations. Um, you've got Ollie Thorne at the Page Group and also um, John Dickinson from Raytheon. They're all fantastic ambassadors um, and very, very committed to inclusion within the organisations. You'll see them at a whole host of events. Great. And, and we spoke a little bit about um, the pandemic in terms of interviews and things having to move online, but are there any other sort of ways of working that you saw amongst your clients that, that massively changed, say, between now and three years ago, post and before COVID was a thing? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think we're really, really aware, aren't we, that kind of pre-COVID, um, I say majority of organisations were office-based, it was all Monday to Friday, um, we kind of all know the drill, but yeah, it's been, the, the change has been so significant. So to give you some examples, and we've actually got a variety within our, our client base. So one of our clients um, has actually now more refers to the offices as neighborhoods. So you go into the office, um, if you're going to work with your team members, so it's kind of like a neighborhood, you're expected to participate, have meetings. Um, you're going in because you need to work and benefit from working with other colleagues. And I really like the, the kind of the phrase neighbourhoods. I love that. If you're going to work independently, you're going to be on online meetings all day. They're quite transparent. Please work from home because you can have a quiet setting there. You can achieve that objective. We've got um, other organisations that, you know, have been very encouraging in getting them to come back to the office because they have all of the equipment and everything on site that they can support everybody. But they also recognise that a lot of people benefited from that kind of quiet home environment that I was just outlining a moment ago. So in those instances where they've asked them to be more kind of predominantly office based and um, recognising that there is quite a pool of people that just like to work in peace, they've now implemented quiet zones. So, you know, like you get on the train where you go into a carriage and you're actually quiet, not use your phone and um, just, you know, just sit nice and quietly. They have these spaces in the office. And so genuinely, if you want to go up and approach a colleague, you have to leave that zone. And you have to go and kind of talk elsewhere or meet elsewhere because this is, you know, it, the thing, it is what it says on the tin. You're meant to be working quietly. Um, so I really like that as well. I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the kind of cameras on off. That's a really new thing. So as we were kind of getting into the pandemic, everyone was getting used to the camera being on and, and being seen. And it was really kind of quite encouraged, wasn't it, that we all had the cameras on and that we all connected. Um, but more recently, people have started to appreciate that actually one size, as usual, doesn't fit all. Um, and that really we should be giving them the option. We also identified, um, and this was kind of most unexpected really, that when you're in the office, you know, you think nothing to getting up and having a coffee, you nip out and go get yourself a sandwich, maybe you take yourself off for a walk for 20 minutes. But across all of our customer base, um, overwhelmingly the data was presenting that for home workers, they were incredibly reluctant to take a break. So they were really, really concerned that if they went off for a 20 minute walk, you know, they'd basically be almost perceived as skiving, not working when, you know, really in reality, that, 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 that's quite ludicrous because we all did it at the office and, and no one had a problem if you nipped out for a sandwich for 20 minutes, but to nip out from your home and go for a walk for 20 minutes for some reason. And, and I get why, but you know, it was a really big thing. Um, and it was, it's genuinely escalating into concern because mental health, physical health, you really, we all know we shouldn't be sat at our desk for eight, nine hours a day. So we actually kind of fed this back to all of our customer base because said it was consistent across the board, huge amount of employees saying they didn't feel that they could. And um, there was a whole variety of responses to that. So some of them did workshops where they just actively endorsed people take breaks. 
Um, in one organization, they actually froze everybody's laptop for five minutes every hour, which I thought was like, I'm, I'm still a bit, I, I kind of thought I'm really impressed. But at the same time, I would find that quite frustrating if I was in the middle of doing something. But, you know, to be fair, they couldn't demonstrate their commitment more. And obviously, one would like to think you knew when this five minute break is. Um, others just said, please, you know, put breaks in your working day that suits you, but actually, you know, genuinely governed by it. If it comes up as a break, step away, you know, take a breath of fresh air. So, um, yeah, we did see quite a lot of difference. Um, and I think actually quite a big increase in productivity because there's a lot of time lost in travel. Um, and people were happy to invest that in work because they quite like the fact that they could maybe tweak their hours a little bit to suit them. So on the whole, I would say um, there's been an awful lot of good come out of this new way of working. And certainly the kind of work-life balance, we are far more in tune with that now because whereas before we had this ethos of, oh, we can't, you know, our team can't work from home because of ABC. Now we realize that that really isn't the case. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a real eye opener for those people that said they they can't. There was there was a lot of businesses that were resolutely we we can't have anybody work from home, and then COVID just flipped that, and they had to, and then they realized that oh yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that you brought up there that was interesting to me was this notion of transparency. Mm. So if you're saying to people you want them back in the office then be clear as to why that is. I think there is exactly. this, this kind of, you know, it's very it's very easy to push back against somebody who is just saying, well, we want you back because we have an office and we need it filled. Yeah. Whereas if you're saying to people, come in because we want you to do collaborative work, stay at home if you want to do the yeah. kind of focus work. The independent thing. work, exactly. And actually that's a really nice blend, you know, and I think it's kind of something that plays to everybody's working week. There are times genuinely, and of course you need to work as a team and you really benefit from those insights, as we were saying earlier, having that inclusive, that diverse team brings a whole wealth of benefits, but there is equally just as much benefit in sometimes working independently, quietly, you know, you're more productive in that setting with certain tasks. So yeah, having that transparency, and then that's why the majority of organizations are a mix of the two. They're a mix of at home and on site. Um, we even now, we had to kind of, well, we didn't have to, but we chose to like evolve our inclusion profile so they also have like a workstation one for the office and for home because now they work between the two and actually you know the organizations want that insight to make sure that both environments are fit for purpose um so we provided that kind of context and those and those insights for them but yeah absolutely i think don't ask them to come into the office for the office sake similarly i think a lot of organizations have downscaled the size of their offices and reaped yeah. the financial benefits associated with that because they they, they don't need all the teams in 100 percent of the time you know, we've got several clients, I think, that have now released floors worth of space, office space, because it's, they just don't, you know, they're never at 100% capacity five days a week. They don't require it. Yeah. The other thing that you were talking about there with the, the cameras on and cameras off, and I don't know whether we're in, we'll include this because I'm throwing you a bit of a curveball here. <laughs> um, but we have struggled a little bit with that because we've had feedback on certainly webinars um, where we've had um, a, an invited audience that they want our cameras on. So even if we've got somebody on the panel who's uncomfortable with that, we've got an audience that is potentially saying, well, I want it because I want to see your, your expression or I read lips, so therefore I need okay, that yeah. of impact. Yeah. So I think, I don't really know where I'm going with that uh, in terms of a question to you so much as it is that notion of 
one size doesn't fit all. And being inclusive for one person is, is potentially you risk tipping the balance the other way for somebody else. Yeah, I think, I think again, it's nice to have a blend. So, you know, I've been on webinars and um, all the participants' cameras have been off. And I, I find that quite hard because you can't see the reactions of anyone that you're talking to. So for yeah. me, that's that, you know, I can't engage with anyone. I can't kind of read anyone's facial expression. Um, but I'd be very happy with the on-off as suits you rule. So, you know, if, if, if a percentage doesn't want the camera off, fine, but if a percentage are comfortable to have it on as a speaker or, um, you know, a co-host in a panel, I would really appreciate those that did had it on. You know, I've attended webinars where my camera's been automatically turned off. I don't have a choice. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not a presenter, I'm a participant, and therefore it's off. Um, and I just wonder, obviously, yeah, if there has been any kind of discussion. I mean, it might have been in that scenario, the percentage preference was actually... I'd really rather not, you know, see 100 people yeah. looking at me. I, I find that quite overwhelming. And obviously, if that's what was requested, then that's absolutely fine. But I think particularly um, in scenarios, in the scenarios where I do think it's really important are meetings and training. Because actually, for that individual, if to have their camera off means that they can take on board more of that training and they can participate more with confidence, then really, what is your primary objective? To be able to see that person's facial expression or for them to be effectively trained? And in a training setting then I would categorically do it. And the same again with a meeting, you know, people will participate um, a lot more productively and have valuable contributions if it's in a format that works for them. Mm -hmm. So um, we did actually have one organization. Um, we had a team where there was a particular team member and they used to do this like team meeting. This is pre COVID to be fair, team meeting, you know, in the office certain day of the week, this particular individual just didn't like that. And they didn't like that all the room were looking at them when they made contributions. And actually the adjustment it was agreed before COVID was that they would attend via teams. So even though the rest of the team wanted to be in the room, that's fine, that's your choice. But this individual didn't want to be in the room. Um, and they were aware that because they were so anxious about it, they were having kind of a negative impact on the vibe of the yeah. meeting. So they came in remotely, they turned the camera off and they just think the contribution was so significantly more positive because the format suited them and the team really respected that they were quite transparent about that. So it was just, it was better for everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, I think, I think best not to dictate, um, but certainly to us, but those that can, it's, it's helpful that they do again for a trainer. You do like to see some of the participants um, yeah. reactions when you're delivering that material. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so we are at our last question now and we will see Claire, whether you have, prepared this one or whether you're gonna off the cuff it <laughs> i'm waiting for someone to off the cuff this question yeah no i would not off the cuff. I, don't, I don't want to say you lizzie but no i'm not gonna off the cuff this one <laughs> i don't think anyone's gonna off the cuff this one but um, you limit so people to 10 words so you've got to think about it haven't you, you can't just wing so, that yeah. you know? so <laughs> using no more than 10 words uh can you summarize one piece of advice or tip on what you have learned since creating a disability inclusive workplace um, mine would be it's better for everyone nice very Thank concise you. but yeah no you good, yeah. that was five words wasn't it lizzie do i get half yeah yeah absolutely no i think that's, that's <laughs> definitely um just yeah sums it up really really nicely um great fantastic well thank you so much for joining us today claire um, really really enjoyed our chat with you um, any okay. last words, Adam? Anything? I was just going to say, Claire, if people are interested and want to reach out to you to Clear Talents, what's the, the best way to get to you? 
yeah perfect thank you um if they want to go to cleartalents.info that would be um the easiest way or they can email me direct claire.jones at cleartalents.com fantastic perfect thank you very much thank you for your time Thanks for listening to this episode of AbilityNet's podcast. As well as this free podcast, we offer training, support and more resources to help address the disability employment gap and support workplaces to become more accessible and inclusive for all. Head to our website at www.abilitynet.org.uk slash workplace to find out more. Thanks again for tuning in and more discussions around disability inclusion will be coming soon.